Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items to cover. First, if you like the episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running. Second, if you are a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, we created an ebook for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All we charge is our admin cost to keep the show running. So, if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says get the ebook to grab yourself a copy today. So with that said, let's dive right in. Today we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. We are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have with us Chris Mills. Chris has over 15 years of real estate experience as an investor and has experience as a loan originator, it's a hard one to say, property manager, and an agent. As a financial advisor, Chris specializes in working with individuals and organizations who have or desire real estate holdings and helping them map out and achieve their financial goals. His real estate experience helps him address the complexities and opportunities unique to real estate investors, and he specializes. his specialties include alternative investments, 1031 exchanges, and liquidity solutions. So there is a lot to talk about here. Chris, thank you for hopping on the show. Oh, you're welcome, Gabe. Great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, For for those who don't know, I actually was on Chris's show, and I was like, man, this guy is such a good host. I want to have him on mine, so we're we're glad to have him here. so Chris, we always start with stories here at the Real Estate Investing Club. Why don't you take us back to the beginning of your story? How'd you get started in real estate? Sure. I, uh, I've been interested in investing for a long time, since I was a teenager. And I started looking into things probably you know around the, the time I turned 18. I started buying stocks and was getting mentored by um, a couple guys and... Uh, I, I very quickly got turned off. You know, my 18-year-old brain uh, wanted to kind of take charge and make a bunch of money. And so someone in, kind of instructed me on how, how stocks go. And so I, I bought some stock and saw him the next weekend. So I was like, all right, how do we make it go up? How do we make money with it? And he said, well, you don't. Like, you don't have that kind of control. Now, yeah. So I was like, well, this is... Um, I'm not doing this. So I started looking into other things. Um, I had started a business a couple of years after that, something small, but, um, you know, wasn't knocking it out of the park, but it was my first time. Actually, I got a check in the mail and I remember it, you know, it was less than 10 bucks. It's probably like seven, $9, but I made that money. Like I made it full cycle from scratch and, that was uh, just an amazing feeling. So that kind of sparked the entrepreneurial fire. Then um, 
one thing led to another, you know, liquidating some of that stuff, put some money in my pocket. So I said, okay, well, what am I going to do with it? And in looking into, you know, where to um, store money that you've made as opposed to making money as, you know, generating wealth as it relates to time and all that kind of stuff and passive income that led me to real estate. So started investing about 2004 and helping other folks invest. So I was wholesaling and uh, doing, you know, doing that route, started buying my own stuff, single family, you know, mixed use here in DC, stuff like that. Um, that led to my property management company. So uh, once I had, you know, a handful of properties under my belt, it made sense to move from, you know, totally spreadsheets to finding some software, putting a company around it, having that presence as a management company, uh, which also helped kind of the arm's length relations between, you know, my tenants and I, um, they were dealing with a management company instead of directly with the owner that helped things for mo in most situations. Um, once I had the company, you know, the entre entrepreneurial bug kind of kicked in again, like, well, I can make money with this too. So started taking on other clients and, and, uh, helping other people with their local portfolios. They enjoyed the way I was doing things and said, Hey, can you manage my stuff out of town and these other States? And so I was thinking about it because I didn't want to try to get licensed in all these States and, and that kind of thing. So I started doing more of an asset management type role and managing property managers and optimizing portfolios. And that, uh, that felt really good, but there's not a lot of money in it. Um, because just by the nature of the the service, you're optimizing their portfolio. You don't charge a lot of money to to bring it back down, you know. Um, but it felt really good helping people, and that's always stuck with me. So when the opportunity came to kind of roll all this experience into financial services and work with a longtime friend alongside him, uh, you know, it was really exciting. I jumped at the opportunity, so it feels really good, you know fast forwarding all, all this time. And now I'm back in financial services and, and dealing with the markets and all that stuff that I started out anti, but, um, but yeah, it's, there's being able to paint the big picture for people and help them see all the angles. And um, cause even myself, you know, as a real estate investor, I was really tunnel focused and um, real estate was the only thing that existed in my mind, but, you know, having a plan, knowing all your options, um, it, things just work out a whole lot better in the long term when you, you kind of educate yourself and, and have people you can tap that are specialists in in various areas. So that's the, uh, I guess the, the quick version of, of my life story as far as real estate investing goes, but yeah. No, and I love it because, uh, it's, it's so nonlinear. It's very, you know, you're, you were doing one thing, you found this other, you know, mini niche within that thing. And then you hopped Absolutely. over the other thing and it just kept yeah. kind of growing. Right? <laughs> uh, that, that's really cool. Um, and so, I mean, you, you touched on a whole bunch of different things in there. You said property management, asset management, you bought your own rentals, you were investing in properties. Um, and you, you even started out in, in the stock market, like which one of those, you know, up to the point where you are today, the financial financial manager, or, um, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm a financial the advisor. Advisor, yeah. that's the word yeah. that I was trying to come up with. Uh, um, 
up to the point where you you became a financial manager, which one of those um, businesses roles that you took on was uh, your favorite? Which one did you kind of feel um, fit your fit your your personality the best? Hmm. So it's probably maybe either, either the wholesaling or the asset management because uh, connecting people and being the guy in the background is is a lot of what I was comfortable with. It's it's not it's very against my personality and my natural bents to you know self promote and be the smartest guy in the room. And even if I am, I, I kind of low key like the fact if if no one really knows it, you know, <laughs> um, I was I I had a handful of people that I was. Uh, you know, making a whole lot of money for, you know, I was the guy, well, it started because I didn't have the cash initially to, to put into, but so many deals, right. I was investing and then very quickly ran out of cash. So I was finding deals and I didn't like doing fix, fix and flips myself. Hmm. So, um, just because, you know, again, I knew my strengths and I knew what I had a tolerance for and, and they were putting a whole lot on the line doing these flips and, and making, you know, big returns. But I was the guy I'd say, Hey, here's the property. I've talked to the owner. We've got these terms lined up here. Are these contractors, these are their bids. This is what it'll cost you. This is what you should net on the other side, based on what I'm seeing in the market. Here's X, Y, Z. So it's a whole package that I would then deliver and, you know, I was, again, I was bringing money to people. Like I was making money for them. And of course, you know, as a wholesaler, I get, I get my piece. And um, so I was making out too. And yeah, everyone's happy. Uh, You know, the world goes round. I'm making people a lot of money. I was that guy, again, in the background, no one ever sees me when they see this property, this fantastic property hit the market and all this kind of stuff. And um, I can look at that still and say, you know what, I made that happen, you know? Um, and that felt really good. It felt good, you know, bringing up neighborhoods, uh, uh, you know, there in DC felt really good, you know, helping these guys feed their families and make a lot of money. Um, yeah, just being that guy in the background, making the wheels turn and, and the gears go felt really good. Cool. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, um, do wholesaling as well. And, uh, it's nice, you know, even though I did not do the flip, if I see, if I wholesale the property and then I see it hit the market and it's like pristine, I feel like I, I contributed to that just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. maybe 5% mm-hmm. of that was my, uh, was my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so how'd you actually, when you were wholesaling, we're going to get on to, to 1031s in a second, but when you were wholesaling, how did you actually, um, how'd you get these properties? What was your main uh, lead generation tactic? So I sent letters and put up signs. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if one was really better than the other. Um, Some of the, some of the biggest deals and and most opportunistic came from just the signs. Um, One was, one was just one I forgot about, you know, because it was off my, my normal beaten path. And, um, and this lady called me one day. So, um, yeah, those, you know, I, I kind of consulted some of the gurus and stuff that, you know, I, I definitely know better now, but, um, but it, it wasn't all for nothing. And, and some of the people that I was introduced to and talked to and, um, a mentor that I paid 
one time. Uh, I did learn a lot of stuff and, you know, get my money back out of it. But um, yeah, it wasn't anything unique or, or sexy. It was just, uh, you know, tracking down the owners and and trying to get a hold of them, you know, usually by letter, something respectful. Um, no, like, yellow postcards or any, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, just like a formal letter, uh, relatively, or, um, or yeah, sign. Yeah, that's crazy. I've, uh, I've, when I first started out, I tried uh, bandit signs and I got like zero calls. I put out probably 50 bandit signs and, um, and I was the guy, cause I, I kind of feel that bandit signs, um, they, they pollute the environment a little bit. And so I would put them out on, on Friday and then pick them up on Sunday. And, I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a lot of work and I would put out 50 freaking signs and I would get zero calls. And I was like, screw this. I'm done with it. I'm no longer doing bandit signs. Uh, all right. So that's cool. So you've, um, you know, you did a lot of wholesaling, a lot of property management, 1031s is, well, financial um, planning is where you're at right now, but you know, you mentioned 1031s and that is a big topic on a lot of, uh, investors minds, especially on the coastal cities where we've seen so much appreciation and we're looking to use that equity that we've gained, um, you know, in other projects. So Let's get into 1031s. Um, I know you're really, you kind of focus on the Delator, Delaware Statutory Trust. So mm-hmm. what is, for people who are not familiar, what is a 1031? Um, who does it benefit and, and what is the best way to go about it? Sure, absolutely. The IRS um, has the, uh, the, the 1031 exchange is, is based on what the IRS said as far as being able to exchange one property for another and defer the taxes. So the um, capital gains taxes, the um, depreciation recapture tax, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that can add up really quick when you're selling a property uh, that you've had for a while, especially. So it allows you to defer the taxes from one sale and, you know, kind of tack it onto the back end. And you can essentially just swap till you drop, as we say, and keep uh, deferring those taxes, which is a really, really great gift from good old Uncle Sam. Uh, In 2004, the IRS decided to introduce the Delaware Statutory Trust, which uh, really doesn't have much to do with Delaware. It's just part of, you know, how the, how it came out. So it's not, you know, doesn't have to be a Delaware anything, but um, in 2004, they came out with um, a ruling that said that there's a security, the Delaware Statutory Trust, um, can stand in exchange in replacement property um, in the place of a replacement property. So you can exchange out of a physical building into the Delaware Statutory Trust, um, and if, for simplicity's sake, you can kind of think of the um, the functionality of it like a syndication that we're familiar with. So same kind of timeline, very similar structure. Um, you've got the trustee and then um, the beneficial interests. So the trustees in, in, at the helm in control, just like a GP would be. And then um, you have a beneficial interest that you buy into as you 1031 out of your property into a DST. Then afterwards, you, you know, it runs its course five, seven years like a syndication would. Then at the tail end, you can 1031 into another DST or back into physical property if you want. So it's a really great tool, um, especially for active investors who are looking to slow down, retire, 
take a break, what have you, um, it's a really great way to go passive and, and streamline things. Uh, it's for accredited investors only. Um, that's a key aspect. But um, like like a lot of these alternatives, um, it's for accredited investors only. But but that's the gist of it. There's a lot of benefits um, as well. Uh, again, just the passivity of it, avoiding the active management stress. It's institutional quality investments. So you have institutional quality properties, usually very, um, you know, A-class stuff. You're not going to get big value-add lifts or anything like that. None of the more risky stuff uh, just by the nature of the rules that DSTs have to follow. Um, let's see. I think I've I think I've covered the basics. Do you want me to kind of drill down a little more or... Well, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a few questions here because I've, uh, I've done 1031s, but I've never done, I've never done DST and I've heard that, that word thrown around. Um, but I mm-hmm. still, I'm not quite sure I understand. So, uh, so for instance, I'm actually, I'm selling a property right now here in Seattle. Um, and I'm making about 200,000 from it on the, on the sale. So if I were to do a 1031, I would have to go and I would have to buy a property with that, you know, with that money, with the 200,000. And then I, I wouldn't have to pay taxes on the amount that I put into there. And it would, I would have to basically be the only one on, on the sale. And it would, and then, um, you know, a number of years later, I'd have to recapture that. How is, how is that different from a DST? Does that mean that I don't have to actually buy the property with the DST? Like I don't have to, I still get the recapture benefit or the, the delayed um, taxes benefit without having to actually go out and buy the property. Correct. So where yeah. does, uh, what do you actually do with the money? What, where? So just like in uh, a regular 1031, when you sell the property, you don't actually touch the money. The money goes to a qualified intermediary. Then you have the 45 days. Um, I guess I'll cover that timeline for people who don't know. There's uh, day one when you sell the property, that's like, you know, Day, day zero, I guess. Then you have 45 days in which to identify one to three potential replacement properties. Then fast forward to day 180 from day zero, you have 180 days from the first settlement to go to settlement on your replacement property. So within that 45 days, you can identify hypothetically like a real property, like you, you find something that'll probably work and you start doing your due diligence and all that kind of stuff. You can have those other two slots be DSTs. So if your stuff falls through on day 46, you've got a couple backups. You can go to a DST or you can go, you know, if everything works out, you can go to your uh, physical property. So it does not, um, you have those options in a 1031 exchange. Um, Lost my train of thought real quick. Oh, so boot is another aspect of a 1031 exchange. So any money that's left over, we call boot. So if you have like a a million dollar transfer, but you only spend 800,000 of that on the back end, that extra 200,000 is called boot. So you'll be taxed capital gains on just that piece. So what a lot of folks actually do is even if they're going into a physical property uh, via 1031 exchange and they've got that extra, you know, say hypothetically 200,000 left over, that 200,000 can go into a DST instead of getting taxed on it. 
Okay. And once it's in the DST, I mean, you're not, that DST is not purchasing a property. So um, do you put that, does it go into stocks or is it just kind of like sitting there? Does it not grow? There is, there's, there's underlying properties. So a DST can hold, you know, a single multifamily, for example, a single, um, you know, huge distribution warehouse, or it could be, you know, a portfolio of, you know, properties all over the country. Um, it could be hotels. It could be uh, retail. Just all all the asset classes and, and things that we normally look at, instead of being held. It's like it's like using your your the proceeds of from a sale for a syndication that is tax deferred, essentially. Correct. Correct. It's and that's why I was saying it it functions the same way. It's a really good way to think of it because um, we're already familiar with syndications. So. Um, there's only there's only a handful of differences. The the limitations, for example, um, there's they open an offering and then close it, and there can be no more offerings once it's closed. Um, there's rules that they have to follow for um, holding cash in between distributions. That has to be um, if they sell a property, they can't just turn around and reinvest the proceeds. Um, they have to, you know, make those distributions. Uh, tenant uh, bankruptcy, risk of tenant default. These are the only reasons you can actually switch up the terms of the deal. Um, if your tenant goes bankrupt, then you can get another tenant, but you can't just do it willy nilly. Go out and get new loans or new leases, things of that nature. So, it's a pretty, uh, pretty strict and rigid rules that they have to follow. Which is why I say um, you're not going to get a lot of you know, the returns kind of reflect that you're not going to get the huge value add, you know, gut job type returns off of DST, because again, it has to be, you know, pretty clean and polished type deal. So you get some appreciation. Less stress. <laughs> and that's right. The, exactly. That's it's That's the trade-off. Right that's, that's the trade-off for, for most investing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, shoot. Hey, uh, I'm glad we went into that topic. We did speed through our 20 minutes, so I got to push us <laughs> the, the, the quick question round, but sure. I appreciated that conversation. Yeah. Um, so to start out the quick question round, this is where I ask quick questions. You give me quick answers. We always start with books because I'm a big bookie. So why don't you give us your two favorite books, um, one for real estate and one for just general life wisdom? Oh, man. Um the book that got me started was Rich Dad Poor Dad, so I'll probably point to that just off the top of my head. I don't, you you might have heard that a hundred times asking oh, yeah. these questions. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but yeah, that's that was one of the one of the turning points for me. Um, and non real estate, um, I love uh, endurance. It's um, it's it's a great story about uh, Ernest Shackleton and his journeys and all that kind of. Stuff. It's a it's an amazing. Uh, it really gives you a charge, especially as a as an investor and businessman. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I read that book. It's, his story is crazy. For uh, for anybody listening, you should uh, you should definitely check it out. Endurance. It's about a guy who crashed in the Antarctic and he had to go mm-hmm. basically across the the Antarctic um, with his <laughs> entire crew. It's, it's a crazy story. Yeah. Uh, moving on, this is for your younger self. So if you were to go back to yourself, say the Chris, who is, uh, you know, just reading rich dad, poor dad, just getting into real estate, go up to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward, man, trust your gut and follow your own rules. Um, 
yeah, just, just stick to it. Um, the only things that I could, you know, learning opportunities, regrets, however you want to categorize them, um, was me getting talked into something where I knew better, you know, whether it be a deal or, or whatever. So yeah, that would be it. Great piece of advice. Trust yourself. I love it. Um, next one. I mean, you, it sounds like you are outside of active investing right now, but if you could uh, choose a place in the United States that you feel, um, you know, you're kind of excited about as an, as a zone to invest in, what would that place be? Yeah, I'm, I'm actively now. Uh, so I, I do still invest a bit. Um, I, I bought in Texas years back and I, and I, if I were to do something tomorrow, it would, it would probably still be the Dallas area. Um, I'm also looking in various areas of Tennessee. They've, they've got my interest right now as well. Um, you know, right outside some of those major cities, it, the stuff looks pretty sweet. So. Absolutely. I, uh, I yeah. like that area as well. Um, and this is an opportunity for you to, to flex, to kind of show off your strength. Um, you know, if you, if you have a super strength or a superhero strength, what would that strength be? What are you absolutely amazing at? Oof. Um, probably the deals. Um, I guess I'm, I'll probably just say that cause I enjoy them. You know, I really enjoy putting together numbers, putting together plans, um, making numbers work, making everything win-win. Um, yeah, whatever label you want to put on that is just putting together, putting numbers together, putting plans together. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're the mastermind. I love it. Uh, and then there you the go. Final Call question. myself a mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the final question um, is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice, so I'm sure people want to reach out to you. What is the best way for people to get in contact with you? So let's see. Yeah, my podcast you mentioned earlier is, is Skyline Views. They can uh, they'll probably hear a bunch of stories and learn about me there. Um, the Haney Company is is my company website. Uh, Mr. C D Mills, that's M R C D M I L L S dot com, is um, my my website. My handle's the same. Um, I've got a book, Legacy One Hundred and One: A Practical Guide. It's on Amazon, so uh, I guess you can check out some of my stuff there. There's there's a bunch of me out there to be found. So yeah. Perfect. And I will put that URL in the show notes. So if anybody listening or watching wants to get in contact with Chris, just click that little more in the description. It'll pop down the full description in there. You'll be able to find one of the one or all of those URLs that Chris just mentioned. So reach out, say hi um, again, Chris. Thanks for hopping on here. It was a, it was a pleasure talking to you today. Appreciate you, Gabe. Thank you. For everybody who's listening and watching, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason that we do this, so we appreciate having you here. Again, the best way to support the show is just to subscribe, like, and share this episode with your friends and family. Other than that, hope you guys have an absolutely kick-ass week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can go home with and apply to your own investing business. 
Before you go, I have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to take your business to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you available on the website. This ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find a deal that's actually a deal, how to finance that deal with little to no money down, and how to exit a deal for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I'm going to bury you in bonuses, seven of them to be exact. First, you'll get the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems and processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating real wealth in real estate. Then you'll get the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools and systems and even the vendors we use to grow our business. After that, you will get the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which will give you the exact keywords we use to target leads online and generate leads without having to lift a finger. Next, you'll get the contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all of the contracts we use in the field to execute all types of transactions. After that, you'll get the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. Next up, we'll give you the Investor's Daily Success Tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And finally, you will get the Wholesaler's Template for Quick Assignment Cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. I know that is a ton of things to say. I'm glad you were able to stick with it. Uh, so you'll get both the ebook and all of those seven free bonuses when you download the ebook today. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you are interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page and take advantage of that deal. With that housekeeping item covered, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.